Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Maine, and joining me, as usual, Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi! Mr. Brian Brushwood. And I'm back, y'all. Wow. That was quite an introduction there, gentlemen. I'm a little, I'm, I'm just a little winded from this back-to-back recording schedule. <laughs> oh. I don't know how many of these I can string together. Well, we just sort of wait for people to ask for another one because we have such low self-esteem. Exactly. And it's only when we hit like quadruple digits of the request that finally we're like, all right, the people want it. Let's put on the jumpsuits, guys. Bandwidth is so scarce and, you know, we're afraid to just sort of waste people's time. And we actually had somebody offer to pay a dollar on. Uh, oh, really? The, yeah, for And I was thinking, like, we should just do this for them and make it the sponsored <laughs> podcast for a dollar. We, we should send them an invoice for one dollar. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is actually true, though. We have to send a handwritten note to Baron Von Skype for permission to use his channels uh, set up a specific time months in advance. And then finally, once we have our uh, our little rotary engines that power up our computers charged over a series of weeks with a hand crank, then uh, then finally we can record these. So By that's the way, what well, well, Justin, you're overlooking. If it's too windy of a day, the guys uh, that go on the hilltops to do the semaphore to make sure the connections are working can't go up and do good, that. Yeah. Does that mean that this whole episode is just a steampunk internet episode of weird things? <laughs> is that where we're headed? <laughs> well, why else are we all wearing goggles, Brian? <laughs> yeah, Brian. Jeez. So I sit here in my brass chair, my brass keyboard, <laughs> drinking Diet Coke out of a brass can, inexplicably. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure getting everybody's your... finding this conversation brass boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along, gentlemen. Today has been a fascinating week, and the beautiful thing about doing a podcast like this, like what, once every eight months, <laughs> is is all of the weird news just sort of collects up on us. And, Indeed. It's and we, all up in us. And when I sit there and I think about what, what trip I'm going to send you to into my mental Jurassic Park and figure out you know, how the ride's going to go awry, uh, there's so many, so many different things we can go see, so many different places to explore. And I want to start off with something that sort of kind of touches upon sort of a theme that we've, we've talked upon before. And we're going to go about it kind of a different way. And I don't really have so much of a scenario to present to you. Well, I'll give you a little bit of scenario. No, we, we will have a scenario. Brian, in yes. this day and age, we've come to realize we're more alike than unalike. You mean you and me, personally? Well, yeah, besides that. but I mean, We're not so different, you and I. Geneticists tell us that you take any two racial groups and they're going to be more, that those two groups are going to be more alike than individuals within that group. No, I, I see where this is headed. You're, you're talking about like the difference, the perceived difference between somebody from Florida and somebody from Texas, both both Anglican of descent, right? Well, yeah, you, but you could say like uh, somebody whose ancestors come from, let's say, Norway and somebody's ancestors who came from sub-Saharan Africa, or you take those two groups and you compare, you look at their genes, you lay them out, and you say, well, bet- the difference between those groups are kind of minuscule compared to the differences between two random individuals within a group. You with me? Oh, when you I average see. out when you average out both groups, you go, okay, on average maybe there's there's a, a 0.5% variation. But an individual you and me might have a point 
five percent difference. In You're chains. talking about the signal to noise ratio. Like our signals are less different than the noise within each of our signals. Our exactly. Signals. I, I I I will go with that metaphor yeah. because I can't think of a better one. So Thank yes, <laughs> yes, Brian. So that's the point. And that's one things people say. Hey, listen, we have a lot more in common. We don't, which is kind of interesting. The thing that gets swept under the carpet by geneticists when you want to talk about different groups and ethnicities and all that is that where those differences are <laughs> are kind of sort of significant in a way. You and I randomly will have a 5% deviation. That's a number I'm just making up there. But between different ethnic groups, you might only have randomly 0.5 deviation. But it's going to be in specific places very often. Skin color. Could be that. Could be a number of other things. Could be... Uh, careful. Careful know. where you're headed here. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Sword, hey. Swordsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to go towards, like, dietary... Things like that, you know, see, that's that's not good. That's that's more prejudice you're bringing up. All those st- those stereotypes. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Where Natural predilection go? toward curling. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Likes the vodka. Wink, wink. <laughs> so, anyhow, the best argument that I've heard made of all, I think, was made by Stephen Pinker, and I think you guys are familiar with it. And Stephen Pinker talks about it's like, yeah. So what if there are differences between groups? You judge the individual because you never know the capacity of a particular individual. You know, you know whether it be male, female, whatever race, whatever. We, we live in a world where our top golfers can be Asian girls or American black Thai guys or whatever. It could be anything. Yeah. It's hard, it, hard and, and I apologize if I just totally bungled <laughs> trying yeah. to explain yeah, it. Yeah, well, he could be... You know, predisposed to Perkins pancake waitresses. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Literally anything. I mean, a voracious appetite that is determined by his genetics. You know, we. You know, you have a top basketball player. You know, you get a guy like Yao Ming. So what we're saying is, like, you can't. The individuals can always go outside of whatever kind of curve, bell curve, whatever. We accept. And you know, Stephen Pinker's whole point is like, listen. You know, whatever we may discover about race or whatever, shouldn't decide how we treat individuals, which we all agree with, right? Yes. Sure. Or yes. you're horrible people if you don't. So that's yes. my whole totally inarticulate way of getting at that. Okay. Although, although Yao Ming was actually bred to be the ultimate. Basketball oh yeah, no, he, he by the was Chinese government. Yeah, he, he, he was, but he wait, he, he wasn't was like, wait seriously, he was like the product of a breeding program. Oh yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah. yeah. It was like like hey, super awesome Chinese basketball player guy and super awesome Chinese basketball player woman. How about we lock you in a room until you make us a baby? No, absolutely. Way. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's that's most of their entire athletic program actually. Yeah. It's not like they smuggled Larry Bird in through the middle of the night. No. <laughs> you no, know, I no. mean, they worked with what they had. And he does, he does that for free. How did I not know this? This is like China's been running a Weird Things podcast for the last 28 years. <laughs> China is a Weird Things podcast. It's going on right now, and it has been for years. It turns out Andrew Maine's actually running China with all these no, scenarios. No, that's not true. That is not provable, as far as you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. Go ahead. So anyway, what I'm getting at is it's so we all understand. We're like, yeah, okay. So it, it it's the thing. Geneticists are always sort of afraid to sort of point out differences because then it goes into arguments about race, gender, and all these other kind of scary places because there's a lot of bad history there. I don't know if you guys know about that. <laughs> <laughs> huh. You don't yeah. know if you, Justin, in Florida, or you, Brian, yeah. in Texas are aware, but there's some bad blood, some bad well, I've blood. heard about your Texas school books, Brian, so I don't know what's been expunged or not. <laughs> okay, so, good point. Yeah, so the war of is, northern aggression is still fresh in our minds. I'll have you know, sir. It's it's a difficult thing to talk about because nobody wants to be labeled as 
being bigoted or whatever. And you don't want people, you get people who are bigoted who also want to make all sorts of weird emphasis from it. And that's the last thing you want in the world is to find out that somebody's using one of your arguments or somebody who vehemently hate opposed to. So it becomes to be a very sticky discussion. It's one of those things they try to avoid discussing these things in academia and a lot of places about, you know, what the significance is of genes and race and ethnicity. Far be it for us to really discuss the implications there, unless it falls into our domain of the weird. Now we've got a bombshell. Genetics DNA provided a number of bombshells. We started looking at DNA between different ethnicities, and we found differences. And a lot of it can maybe deal with how you try to treat disease, things like that. And they have pretty big implications. But a bombshell was dropped a couple of weeks ago that I, I think is potentially so big people are afraid to talk about it. All right. And, and, uh, I mean, uh, you mean other people are afraid to talk about other it. Other people. We're not other afraid Not, to talk not about the it. weird things. The fearless weird things podcast and, trio absolutely and i and i feel confident if our audience feels that we are saying something totally stupid or out of line they will let us know so <laughs> did you uh what's like the right way to get into this um, are you trying to figure out the right way that you're going to start the clip that'll be replayed on the internet over and over and over again <laughs> as it ruins exactly our <laughs> exactly you guys go like we don't know how we we, we try to get them under control and i want you to know that the, that the longer you hesitate to bring up the actual question the more nervous i get like it like you, you my, know you my, know they got these bones brian they <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well it comes down to this there was a hilarious sketch on Saturday Night Live the other night. <laughs> of all the ways I expected this to begin, that was not even on the top hundred. Where uh, Tina Fey played a, a census taker, and she knocks on the door, and Betty White answers the door. And she goes, describe your race. <laughs> and she goes, uh, uh, superior to Asians and intellectually inferior to African or Africans, which was, it was very, very hilarious the way Betty White delivered that. Anyway. Turns out they've done this, so they've done some pretty good comprehensive DNA mapping of Neanderthals, and they've mapped it up against the genomes of living, breathing humans. And I don't know, if, Brian, if you heard about this, but they they made some very interesting discoveries, which you know may get refuted or may not. Um, have you heard about this? No, no. Well, it, it turns out that Neanderthals seem to have interbred with modern humans. Oh, Hell sweet. yeah! Particularly the humans that left. Africa. Yes. Wait, are you saying we got we got Neanderthal bones in our bones? What I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, it, it really just makes us have to rewrite a bunch of racial stereotypes and things like that. Dude, can't where, you just see it where it's like humans and Neanderthals, and they're like, oh, I hate him so much. I hate him so much. I hate how strong he is and his square jaw and his big wow. muscles. And I just, I just <laughs> want to hate him so much. I'll be right back guys. I got to go hunt some food. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back. I took up the Neanderthal chick. She's, she's, yeah. Mm. So apparently there's a, they're, they're finding Neanderthal DNA all throughout our genome and not in any specific places, but just scattered throughout there. So it looks like once we left Africa that we're like, we started hooking up with Neanderthals and maybe absorbed Neanderthals, which is kind of interesting. So it's this sort of thing where now does this uh, you know, does this mean since this is uh, you mentioned regionally based with leaving Africa are are they intimating that some races have more Neanderthal in them than others? Is well, that ba- is ba- that why yes. you're handling this so delicately? Uh, frighteningly so. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah. 
basically what this what this means is that if uh, unless you know and you know again you know modern modern people from spot everybody around the world have you know their genes are pretty diluted with other parts but it basically there was modern man walked out of africa and then modern man seemed to you know take a step backward apparently <laughs> now wait a minute now well and so which which races you know less disclaimers more with the inflammatory speech exclaimers which, yeah come on yes. less disclaimers more exclaimers who's got the most neanderthal oh whitey I whitey's mean. on the moon <laughs> well he not just that I, that's that's not quite true i mean that that's you know most of most actually most people on this planet even outside of africa are people of color so that was a generalization i made anyhow but it's like basically africa and then the groups that left Africa went to Europe, then went across Asia, whatever, intermingled yeah. with Neanderthals. I hope, I hope they had I hope they had a neon, Neanderthal banging to things white people like. <laughs> well, and Asian people. Oh, and Asians. There All we right. go. And there are a lot more of them than us. So there. <laughs> so now, uh, so now, like uh, the the conspiracy machine needs to go hard Native to work Americans to rewrite. And- we have to rewrite all the books saying that, by the way, Neanderthals were totally awesome and way smarter than humans, only they yeah. were betrayed by humans. That's why they're gone now. Well, that just did is there was a lot of stuff that came out talking about how they were, they appear to be intellectually inferior. And there was a question that even have language and all this sort of stuff. And so if you were a 19th century racist, you're really screwed. Now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You're, what <laughs> egg on your face, yeah. jerk? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, that there are a lot of. A lot of your bigots today still hold over to those ideas, you know, stuck in that sort of period. So if you're you're one of these people that's sort of holding on to that kind of idea, it, this has been dealt a blow because it's not like you know I, I don't want to diss Neanderthals, okay? But you know when we look, we can. But seriously, can, come on, we're all humans here, right? Come on, Neanderthals. Right? Well, apparently not. I mean, Brian. They're dumb. You, you hear me, right? Right? Well, I, I guess I guess that gets to be a thing. Like you know, we can make Neanderthal jokes; other people can't. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't understand. It's a it Neanderthal ting. Ting. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, Andrew, like, you know, humans be making a fire like this. Ah, fire! You know? Where fire? <laughs> Neanderthals be making a fire like, like this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I don't know where to go with that, guys. <laughs> my mind was just, my mind was blown out. Because I'm like, I'm reading this, I'm like, all right, so I get this, like, all right, because, you know, we talk about, like, the, 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 the modern human, and then apparently there was the modern human, and then he's like, you know what, I'm going to look at these country cousins out here, hey, y'all, I'm going to score the Neanderthal chicks, because they're slow, and then, there we go. <laughs> wow. You're like, hey, you want to see a magic trick? It's a rock. Yeah. You want to bang? <laughs> yeah. I, I heard you, there's some guys in white sheets right now going, my God, how do we, what do we do? How do we... How do we interpret this? Do we try and... I like the fact that you envision a portion of our listenership is in the clan. (laughs) I I wasn't assuming they were listening to this. I just assumed when they saw, like, maybe the internet where this kind of came out. Oh, they were reading up on the latest science periodicals? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, not to exclude those who may be clan members. Tobias! Tobias! Have you seen the latest research? (laughs) Oh, and there you go with the accent. (laughs) At least I made him Tobias. So, uh... Wow. This has been this has been uh, very very politically incorrect so far, and we've gone beyond that to like species incorrect. So, yes. so if you follow the supremacist literature, and I'm sure you both do, um, <laughs> you know they talk a lot about half. Oh, you breeds. should see my RSS feed; it's exactly. littered. They talk about half breeds and mongrels and things like that. No, uh, well, apparently they're out there, but they are us. So, Man. I wonder who. I wonder if like. 
if you could hit a point where you could determine through some giant DNA database who's the most Neanderthal and who's well, the most human. Know too, Brian. That's the thing. Is like you know, I'm I'm curious. Now, Don't you want to know? Make a, I want to make a list. What if what if what if you found out that like you were the least human person on Earth? Like your DNA matched up the least with everyone else on the planet. Well, Brian, I suspected that. <laughs> for a long time. Are you time. kidding? He's been writing that in journals since he was eight. Yeah. <laughs> no, when I, was, when I was eight, I thought I was a robot. <laughs> well, all right. Um, sorry. Actually, can I, I tell I, you a true story? I, uh, because that I was, was a true, that was a true story. Well, I know. Well, that's why I want to share my true story is I used to suspect because I was considerably smaller than everyone else in my, in my class that uh, that I used to suspect that You're my talking parents, about gym class, right? No, I, I mean in in all every grade as you know, as a kid. <laughs> okay. uh, I yeah, thank you by the way. Um, I used <laughs> to suspect that my parents had like played a trick and lied by one year about what my age was, and I was actually one year younger than I thought I was the whole time, and that's why <laughs> so I was so much smaller. In, they could bring you in front, you know, like when you're like. 20 years old, you know, or you just turned 21 and they're like, ah, you could have been drinking for a year. Ah. <laughs> no, actually the reverse. Like, yeah. So I think I was 21, but they were like, sorry, dude, you're only just 20. We just wanted oh, yeah. to give you a leg up on the world by starting you early. Gotcha. My math skills aren't so good. I blame my aunt Neanderthal. So wait, <laughs> so you just thought that they just like fudged your age. Like you were some, you know, Dominican baseball prospect. Yeah. Well, you know what it was is I, I, Hope reverse, I hoped that, oh, but like, reverse. Okay, I had hoped that, like, at the age of three, I was so amazingly smart. like a Chinese gymnast, Justin, like a oh, Chinese gymnast. A Chinese Get gymnast. it right. There we go. That they didn't want that they didn't want to hold me back to my regular age, and so they put me in an age ahead. That's that was my theory, which I've never even told them. Hopefully, good thing they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just gonna think you're nuts. Unlike all the other segments in this podcast, <laughs> yeah, I know where they think. So like Brian, you thought all this childhood you thought we were lying to you. We're hurt, Brian. We're hurt. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we're about to re- listen to the episode where you eat your children. Brian, I have a question now. Um, uh, you don't have to respond to this. You don't have to answer this. Oh, which means I will instantly respond and regret it. Have you ever done LSD? No. And I do regret it. Okay. So that's your official response. Your official response yeah, to you is in, in quotes, heard. in quotes. My official response, which also All happens right. to be the quote truthful response. Yes. All right, I get you. I get you. I'm afraid to ask Justin, so uh, we'll just move right along. <laughs> I only Here's know a- most drugs by reputation, but like whenever I have a friend who's into drugs, because uh, I'll just quiz them incessantly. Like, uh, like I knew, I knew a guy that did like PCP, and it was like it, it was like a four-hour journey of me saying, "And then what happened? And then what did you feel?" <laughs> like, I'm just so curious. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I, uh, I remember I worked with a kid when I was a teenager who who was into everything, and he was describing some experience he had where he was tripping, and he looked at the dog, and the dog told him to look on the ceiling. And he looked on the ceiling, and the dog was standing on the ceiling. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wow. I mean, that's that's a that's pretty intense. But uh, it seems like a lot of trouble to go through for that experience. Well, it's like when, I'm, I, sure, when I'm, I'm getting sure. just as much enjoyment having people tell me this. So I'm sure you immediately wait. Thought oh no, new- that's amazing though. Like if you saw that, if that was like a magic effect, you'd be like, that is awesome. Well, that's what I was no. about to say. Is I'm sure the moment Andrew heard it, he realized that he had a DVD to make. 
Yeah, exactly. Dog yes. on the ceiling. Dog roof. <laughs> so, dog my, roof. well, I, again, uh, I mean, dog it, but slash I'm, roof. It, my point is, it's not like oh, and the doors <laughs> of perception a dog is in one font me. and roof is you in know? another font. <laughs> I, I don't do that. Then the DVD covers the dog on the ground and also on the roof at the <laughs> okay. same time. Back to the fonts. And it's like, if you flip over the DVD, if it looks like one DVD on one side, you flip it over the other side, you're like, well, which DVD is this? Yeah. (laughs) It's just about the back to the font, though. Do you get roof dog or dog roof? I I, I use a consistent font, okay? He's like Wes Anderson. Right. Jeez, Brian. Uh, So, yeah, so LSD. No, no, back Uh, to the font thing. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you say that, Brian? Hello, and welcome to the Weird Fonts Podcast. (laughs) My favorite T-shirt. Have you seen this? Where it's uh, it says uh, Helvetica and it's written in Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So, so is that is that just that seems like just a malicious shirt oh, it designed is. to have all the font nerds in your life just short circuit and fall over. You know what? Them out. Just hearing about that shirt makes me want to start defending Comic Sans. Just like I want to start wearing Jar Jar Binks T-shirts because he's so universally reviled. And so likewise, I want to start being pro Comic Sans now. Why? Well, we, we, Why? We where, run... where, where's your David Duke shirt next? Right, that's right. <laughs> where does it stop? So anyway, Justin, LSD. I, I apologize for exposing you to this. So we're, there we were. Back to LSD. All right, gentlemen. Yeah, so, let's let's get down to business. So, so Brian's ways. official story is he's never tried LSD. Yeah. Okay. Never been out to dinner, have a dentist drop it in there. And, and my point about the dog thing was it's not like the guy came out and wrote some great rock opera. His experience was, well, I saw a dog on a ceiling. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, it's, it's got a lot to go through for that, you know? I mean, if you're like, oh, man, I saw a pie, the, the equation. I'm like, well, all right, oh, okay, all right, I'm curious now. So we just got, you know, the, the, a bunch of documents have been released for the uh, CIA and the government's talked about, like, yes, we did do LSD experiments. In fact, you know, the modern form of LSD was actually, you know, as far as we know, it was developed by the government, and they were trying to look for all sorts of applications for this from interrogation to whatever sort of abilities they thought people might have with it. And what I want to know, Justin, Brian, um, would you ever participate in a legal LSD experiment? First of all, let me just say that I I don't think they ever actually did do the LSD thing. I think that this is all a smokescreen so that they can write off whatever happened in the 60s by saying, yeah, but you got to understand, we were doing a lot of LSD at the time. Wait, what are they trying to cover up then? I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, you know, assass- assassination attempts on, they, you know, Cuban they, dictators, They et blew their money on macrame rugs. <laughs> you got to understand, we were doing a lot of LSD at the time. I got to be honest. Like, like, think about this time. This is before LSD is even illegal at this oh, time. Oh, this was, like, started, like, in the 40s and the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's like LSD. So, so let's take LSD out of the equation and instead say, let's say the government came to you today and says, listen— We've got this amazing chemical called Super Awesome. And <laughs> I'm like, we're not sure like, what like, it what? does. A bunch of 14-year-olds running the government? I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> but we need, we need some of the smartest individuals out there, some of the most creative minds to crystallize for us what this substance does. Will you be part of this experiment? You have to understand this. Human trials are crucial to Dr. Friedrich Super Awesome's research. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I gotta. I gotta tell you. I think. I, I think I would. Um, because you don't know. I mean, we could sit here with hindsight and be all like, you know, oh, of course, how silly. But 
I mean, I would. It's 1940s, and is the drugs? All right, all right, all right. Hold awesome. on. Um, number one, we gotta get a little bit into how this is being couched. Like, are we getting paid? Is it like, listen, we need to be developing this on on a military basis. You could be saving lives by this trial. You're, you're getting you're getting paid in weed. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting paid no. in super awesome. Well, well, again, most of these are done like at universities and stuff like that. It's not so. Like you, so you, you just see it in the college newspaper, and you're yeah. like, "Volunteers, yeah, I'll take it. the twenty five dollars for the three week trial." No, but yeah, that's, it's like, but that's from what I understand. Like, I know at least a few people were chosen for LSD experiments based on their academic background and their high credentials. Like, you are especially awesome person, and that's why we need you to take this drug. See if you develop superpowers. That's right, dude. I'm so doing that. You're so doing that, Justin. Uh, uh, I mean, without a doubt, of course I'm doing that. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I'm doing. You know, I, I may or may not have been alive in the '60s and have yeah, been there. No, first I, I mean, yeah. There's uh, my my threshold of like, hey, try this crazy thing is is reasonably low. <laughs> so, so. You both of you are willing to go out and try it and do it. Yeah, um, and, and by the way, are we are we are we talking about super awesome? Right, we're talking about the the unknown yes. drug yes. right now. Yes, Andrew. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, it's, it's not like eh, and it's made of pee. No, it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> and that's the rest of it. Is is Doctor uh, Super Awesome and his friends just his laughs isn't just laughing at you? <laughs> and then they're like, "You they're, ain't pee. You ain't pee." <laughs> <laughs> That was the real test. (laughs) They're doing it from behind a one-way mirror with, like, full-on double-blind test conditions. Hey, it's science, man. And then you realize that that's the hallucination, and it actually has taken hold. And then you realize you're mostly Neanderthal. Well, it's interesting because it's an area of research that's it's kind of declined. I have a number of friends who are scientists who, who, who tell me that, you know, before they have anybody else try anything, they'll go do it first, which... Timothy Leary probably did more damage to the acceptance of LSD as some sort of medicinal treatment than helping it, you know, because he had this wild guy going, oh, yeah, you know, and it's like, well, maybe it's a good idea, but I, I don't trust you. Get out of here, crazy eyes. My question then is, so you got no fear at all. See, like, that's very interesting because, like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking every time I think of this, I think of the movie Firestarter, you know, and the people, like, bleeding out through the years and dying and all that. I, I don't think I'm going to be the one that's going to get magical abilities. Well, apparently nobody actually gets magical abilities. The legality of it is what makes you go, all right, you know. No, it's not, it. the, it's not the legality of it. It's the, uh, it's the promise of it. It's the fact that they clearly thought there was something um, awesome about it. You want to be chemically that, you know, Russian monkey sitting. Yeah, I want to be Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter, enemy of Spider-Man, had no superpowers except for he drank a mysterious, quote-unquote, jungle serum that made him awesome. And if they say, hey, we got some jungle serum here, you want to try it? Heck yeah. Yeah, if the Russian monkey didn't get to come back, though. No, he didn't. He didn't get to come back. But that's that thing. He went on a fantastic journey. Maybe... You get a chance to at least do that, or maybe I don't know. I guess maybe it's just because, like, uh, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but like, deaths in human medical trials, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's an ap- like uh, it's it, it's a, it's an epidemic, right? Yeah, usually if they're if they, I mean, of all the places to try, super awesome. You know, in a lab environment, seems like the place yeah, to do a it. Nineteen forties lab environment, untested procedures, mad 
German scientist. <laughs> Sounds like a great environment. <laughs> so are you saying you wouldn't? Mr. No. Mr. Maine, Mr. Maine, we've got uh, an important drug called Super Awesome. We need you to try it. Uh, hell no. <laughs> really? Wow. What's the matter, right, what, what, Are we talking, when, what, what era uh, are we talking in? We're talking now. We're Mr. talking Mr. Maine, right Mr. now. It, it's an unknown thing, and you're on a college campus, so it's not, maybe it's government funded, but it's way on the QT. It's not like, and you clearly know, you have been picked from a very short list. Of, <clears throat> Mr. Maine, you got to understand, all all the other Nobel laureates are doing it. It is very cool. Oh, I like the all the other Nobel laureates around there. I mean, already, all, of, yeah. all of the Nobel laureates are doing it. So all the other magic inventors. Jay Sankey's doing it. <laughs> Danny Garcia's done it twice. Are you can um, Danny's still on it. Yeah. My response, I no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I what am. if what if what if like uh what if the ghost of Feynman came up? It was like, you don't understand. Super awesome. I'd be like, man, awesome. I must be on it. I just saw the ghost of Feynman. <laughs> It's like, no, no, we keep him in the back. Ghost oh, of Feynman's just hanging, yeah. Yeah, well, then uh, uh, all bets are off. <laughs> so, I mean, are you afraid that, I mean, obviously your 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 intellect and your your brain, you make, you make so much of your living and uh, your enjoyment in life is from your creativity. You're afraid that that, it would put that in jeopardy? Is that well, what I'll, gi- I'll give is? you I'll give you an example, okay? It's like you go through periods where you get some new drug that comes out that people think, oh, maybe this is it. You know, this is going to be the thing. LSD. Yeah, thalidomide. Well, it's actually, thalidomide actually has a lot of useful purposes. Just don't give it to pregnant women. So, and sometimes things come out and then you have the, the, the harmful effects are overblown and then we have to go revisit it later on. But sometimes things come out and we think we, the harmful effects are diminished. LSD, and then we found out that, you know, there are advocates of LSD, you know, just insisted that it was a totally, totally harmless thing. And then you talk to somebody who did a heck of a lot of it and you're like, something's not working right. You know, something kind of got short circuit and other people have done it and totally fine. But it's one of those things where there's not enough data on it and just you know, excessive, excessive use of it. With X or ecstasy in the nineties, you know, I, you know, I knew, I knew people, I knew people in the, you know, in academics and people were like that, like, oh yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool, it's a new thing or whatever like that. And then they're finding, oh, no, there are long-term problems from that too. (laughs) And so it's one of these things like anything that goes into the brain and monkeys with it at this point, I would be afraid to try. Now, like some of this other stuff, kind of the non-invasive stuff, like the magnetic, the transcranial magnetic stimulation stuff, you know, which is supposed to like increase creativity and thinking capabilities. I'd be willing to try that. But once you break that blood brain barrier and something goes up in there, I'm, I'm fearful of that. You know, I don't want to end up with Tourette's or multiple sclerosis or something like that. Cause you know, it was an experiment. Sissy. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, like, at the end, they're like, well, Mr. Maine, the real test was to see if you were a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. It's only oregano. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Dr. Mario. In the lore of weird stuff, when they talk about really weird phenomena or things like that and conspiracy theories and stuff that you can actually observe and see and we don't quite know what goes on, one of my favorite, favorite stories of all, because it's true, is there are certain radio frequencies that you can tune into and you will hear somebody calling out numbers. 
Oh, I've heard about this. Right? And sometimes they're in English. Sometimes they're in Spanish. They're in different languages. It's a woman, what have you. They have different like, and, background musics, like a samba beat behind them. Mm-hmm. It can be. So there's like a few, some number of different channels that do this. And there's been all sorts of speculation as to what this is. Some people thought it was perhaps foreign intelligence services communicating to spies. And that, that was the explanation I'd been led to believe. But then I heard a explanation actually made a lot more sense. It was J.J. Abrams. No. No, this this made sense. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. sorry, sorry. This wasn't something they were just making up all along. What this was, or apparently one of the best rumor is, or the best belief is, and again, you can look this up. Like They call them like hidden frequencies or secret frequencies or something like this, and you can actually listen to these people. And I've listened to them. It's eerie because you hear a woman go, four, three, two, one, seven, eight, nine, four. You know, and you're like, what is it? And the uh, the, the the best theory I've heard is actually it's, Drug cartels giving out informations for drug drops. No kidding. Yeah, because it's a billion billion dollar industry. Now, and do, you, do you think it's a case where it started off as actually a Cold War form of spy information, but maybe as that method of communication became antiquated, it, it got picked up by you know low budget cavaliers? Well, here's here's the thing, Brian. They're not the drug industry, the illegal drug industry, the illicit drug industry is fascinating for a number of reasons. If you look at the total amount of money that it goes into that, it's like the third largest industry in the world. You talk about how big oil is or things like that. When you think about the amount of money spent on drugs, how how wealthy these cartels are, how many billions of dollars are involved there, it is humongous. Not quite as big as oil, but it is humongous. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. They own corporations. They have phalanxes of lawyers. They have influence all the way up into high levels of government. And and I've had I've had friends within certain areas of the government, you know, tell me with absolute confidence that certain congressmen and congressional aides have had people, you know, have had people in their office that were actively employed by drug cartels. Wow. And drug you know, lobbyists. No, but, but no, I mean they're they the you know the drug cartels want to keep it illegal, right? Number one. Two is they want to be able to squash legislation, things like that, that might make it too hard for them to do their job. I mean, they, they can only have so much influence. But remember, there was the, uh, a while back, there was a controversy because the government the uh, wanted to spray a fungus in Colombia that was going to kill cocaine plants. Yeah. Okay. I have to know the scientists that developed that. And it was quite a controversy issue because it came down to, you know, should we be spraying this in other countries, you know, even with the approval of the Colombian government and doing that. And that's a whole nother discussion, but it eventually got killed. And some of the people, you know, who said it got killed because basically there were people, lobbyists and donors and stuff like that tied into the drug cartels were able to get it killed, get the whole project killed. Wow. So big industry, humongous industry, but it's something that, you know, we don't cover it in, you know, the popular media, you hear about drug busts and stuff like that. And you hear occasionally who the big drug lords are, but you really, it's something that just goes beyond our radar. But, you know, every day we'll hear about the fortunes of Microsoft or Apple or GM or something like that. When drug cartels have such a big impact on an economy, you know, coming from South Florida, you know, living down here in the eighties and you saw massive construction, which was funded by that. You go to certain South American cities. Okay. These skylines were built with drug money. It's a big, big industry. So the idea that they they have radio transmitters and stuff like that, they're not even. I mean, it's not necessarily. Low, it's it's low tech in the end, in the idea that it's not a cheap thing to do. But if you're trying to deliver stuff to people who are have to have a minimum of equipment, you know, a little speedboat and a radio or whatever, and you want to make it hard to trace, you know, it makes sense. Now you now the one thing that like, I mean, I 
You really think they don't want drugs to be legal? Like, you don't think they'd want to become Budweiser? I mean, I understand, like, right now being illegal, they get an artificial inflation on the sell price. But, like, uh, you know, killing Prohibition worked out pretty good for, you know, Miller and, and for, you know, Budweiser. Yeah, but it, it didn't work. It didn't do so well for your run of the mill runners or the bootleggers. You know, the, the yeah. bootleggers. You know that it was the you know the is one of the reasons why organized crime had to go into other areas. Yeah, they and, they, they, they couldn't even capitalize on NASCAR. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like, so they, they got they got nothing. If if we legalized it tomorrow, it's not going to be you know crime lords. And that's who runs the you know the drugs right now. Is you know and there there was an active alcohol and a legitimate alcohol industry before prohibition. We didn't have a real legitimate drug industry prior to you know making the illegal. I mean we had distribution of stuff in small quantities, but it wasn't a multi billion dollar business. That's interesting. Budweiser too. You know I mean prohibition. Budweiser was already you know, thriving in Germany. They don't. Yeah, they're the ones. They're the last ones who want to see this legal because you know what's the what's the street price right now for something? I mean, it's it's ridiculously high compared to things like that that become commodities. So, uh, so where's this headed? So we know that that's the uh, the code numbers. But do we, Brian? Do we know? I went from thinking that it was spies talking to each other, but I was reading WeirdThings.com and I came across something that got me thinking. And who else? would want to use a means to communicate like that. Who uh, else? I know. Wait, besides the drug dealers that you already said? Maybe some other people who have to organize and communicate right under the radar of everybody else. Are you talking about terrorists? No, Brian. Oh. No, Brian. You're talking about, think, talking about comic book fans? False. I, I got nothing then. Brian... We're about to blow your world apart. <laughs> well, I'm excited. What is it? Yeah, Brian. How about this? Interdimensional beings who need to find clandestine ways to talk to each other and might use methods like these uh, you know, you know, radio ghost numbers or, as it was theorized uh, in an article on Weird Things, which I think we found from a, uh, in, in Exactica, uh, classifieds. There have been a number of mysterious classified ads that have been found in certain uh, Washington DC city papers through the eighties that no one's really been able to pin down, but people have collected because it's just this uh, uh, not obvious secret code, but there really is no other use to it. And it's not something that an average person would understand. It's, it's and it like, happened on a fairly regular basis. It's like a, it's a lonely hearts ad, but it's like lonely, not from, Around here, yeah. I feel like Wink. everything's upside down. <laughs> Meet me, Xarthex. <laughs> do you like crossing dimensions, Brian? Do you believe in other dimensions? Oh, certainly. I mean, yes, probably. Do you think there's an ability to step from one dimension to another? Oh man, now you're gonna break my mind. Because I guess, I guess. Here's the thing. If we lived in two dimensions and the third dimension existed all around us, I mean, we would never, ever be able to step into it. All we could do is see the shockwaves of things that happen in the third dimension. Like if a, if a sphere went through our second dimension, we would just see this circle like form and then vanish. And uh, I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if stuff like that. They, they say, like, string theorists say that there's, what, 14 dimensions, but only at the submolecular level? Well, there's, like, there's, like, 11 dimension. There's, like, 21 dimensional string theory. I, I can't make, you know, 
Like I can't have an there's, intelligence. There's more discussion. theories than there are dimensions. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying there are versions of it which I, you know, I'm sure I could listen to two string theorists explain it to me, and I'd be like a cat staring at a mouse, you know, behind a glass window. I don't know. Like one thing that I thought was really interesting, and I guess you know, I don't know if this would also. I'm gonna I'm gonna you. Well, and that's also we're talking those. That's that's dimensions in the purely the mathematical sense. Let's use parallel universe as another example. Yes. You know what? So, I, I do think there's a good chance. Yeah. Parallel universe. So, you know, we, you know, one version of the multi-worlds theory, you know, says that every time there's a quantum event, the universe branches, follows both. And so there's an infinite number, nearly infinite number of, I like that nearly infinite. There's a <laughs> large number of universes out there where we're actually recording this podcast and each one is slightly different than the other. Yeah. Like, like you didn't screw up that first segment, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, is it possible to go from one to the other? Uh, do you know what, do you know what I, do you know what, and I have no scientific basis to back this up, but the theory. Oh, our audience most, knows this, Brian. I know. Our audience understands <laughs> they, that. They listen to this podcast. Yeah. My, my theory would be that the only way to, tr- okay, so let's say I would like to think that there are parallel dimensions or parallel worlds, right? Uh, and I would like to think that the only way to travel between them is with time travel. So what I mean is, like, if we ever crack the code on time travel, you cannot go back in time in your own universe. You could only right. go back in time in a universe virtually identical to the one you came from, with the only difference being, you know, pennies are nickels. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that you are in. Brian that one. is not gay, and so and so. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm uncomfortable with this discussion. Uh, so it's like, 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 because then that solves all the grandfather paradoxes with time travel or whatever, where it's like the idea, like, once you've gone back, like, there's no going forward again. Like, whatever universe you're in when you time travel, that's, that's just the it. one you're in. Yeah. Yeah. You could go forward in that universe, but there's no getting back to your, you know, your universe. So you can't go so forward that they've invented a way to go back? No, no, that's, 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 that's my, that's what my head wants to be right in my sci-fi understanding of, of the universe. But I have no basis for that. Oh, we, we know that. Uh, Your experimental research doesn't corroborate this yet? Well, listen, (laughs) I did do an awful lot of super awesome when I came up with this idea. Right, right. Well, there is a, uh, a lot of speculative fiction that deals with this idea, and there's a lot of sort of theory on this as far as how would you actually try to go from one dimension to another, one parallel world to the other, and you know, you know, one sort of thought is that they're just there's just separate. The reason they're parallel wor- worlds are not co-joined is because you can't go from one to the other. I mean, that's kind of like you know maybe at core the definition of it. But there's brain theory, B R A N E, which sort of implies that our universe is just one bubble amongst a bunch of others on this massive. Well, and if sheet, you if you I watched, guess. I don't know if any of you guys watched The Elegant Universe on PBS a while ago from Brian Greene. Uh, one of the things that kind of blew my brain, and I'm, I loved him in Terminator. I'm gonna try to remember uh, what he was expressing, but like there was one of the theories was that through gravity you could communicate from one brain to the other with these gra- mm. gravimetric pulses that could be detected from from one essentially one universe to another universe, which that was kind of awesome. Very curious. So we, we need to think about how we can do that. I think right now there's the uh, there's uh, the Lisa array, which is a big project to try and detect gravity waves, which may actually look like it's going to happen, which could be exciting. So we don't know. I guess what you're saying, but I mean, we could imagine, you know, 
the, the danger in trying to imagine infinity is you hear sometimes the mistake people make is like, well, you know, there's going to be a world where there's unicorns or things like that, which is not true. An infinite number of universe doesn't mean every possible universe. Right. Well, and, and I, the way I learned about this was in my mathematics class that I took in, in uh, the Plan 2 program at UT. Like they said, there's a difference between countably infinite and uncountably infinite. For example, uh, the number of integers is countably infinite because there's one, then two, then three, then four, and it goes forever and ever and ever. But for each point on that line, you can ascribe exactly one number. However, the uh, uh, the set of rational integers is uncountably infinite because for every point in the line and for everything you try to put a number to, there's always a point in between those two numbers that requires another point. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like a nonlinear equation. So it's it's the difference between you know, uh, there is a finite number of molecules in the universe and there is a finite number of quantum interac- interactions that can happen between them. But that doesn't, as, as you just st- say, mean that we'll definitely have a universe where there's unicorns somewhere. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that's, that there won't. No, you're right. It doesn't mean there won't. I Neanderthal think that's unicorns. So where are you at on this, Andrew? Can we go between the, the universes? I think that the answer to that question would be that to fully understand you got to take some super awesome i have i i have i have my own really crazy theories do you do do you puss in boots come on dude i I shared my kooky yeah come on all right already all right all right people didn't people didn't wait for the podcast eight years so they could hear you sit on the fence Enough of the badgering, all right? All right. Brian kind of touched upon this a little bit before and, and using the wonderful Flatland example of how we, you know, sitting here in, in our space trying to understand, if you were in 2D, flat space, trying to understand, you know, three-dimensional objects, you wouldn't, only when they go through. And, you know, here we are in three-dimensional space. We try to make sense of four-dimensional objects, things like that. And other than time, you know, it's not, it's not something we can really kind of, understand you know we can we, we can have mathematics and things like that so we can in a way comprehend it which is fascinating to me there are people who can do mathematics in other dimensions because they go well we know these are the rules our brains our primate brains are not designed to visualize it but we can in some way sort of like a blind man make our way around to an extent which impresses me that other people can do that just I trust think. trust the numbers yeah i have enough problem with three-dimensional space i'll just leave it i have enough num- i have enough problem with three digits yeah, exactly. So the thing is, it's like everything, our understanding, everything around us, in a sense, is kind of a metaphor. And I don't want to get postmodernist on you, okay? But everything around us for them is a metaphor that we try to come up with to understand or interpret things. You know, when we, we, we look at how our visual system works, our brain, right now, when you think what you think you're seeing, part of that's from memory, part of that is real time, and your brain is compositing that together. And sometimes we don't, you know, we were, we, you know, Brian and Justin, we can all talk about magic examples, things like that, change blindness, all these sort of examples that show us that our perception of reality is tenuous and abstract or metaphorical in many, many, the way, many ways. That blows my mind because that means literally, uh, and forgive me for saying literally because I say too much, but it's like the whole world as I'm seeing it right now is a simulation mm-hmm. manufactured within my brain. That's not, that's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, but you know, we that's you know something we're we're aware of. Every time we fool somebody with a magic trick, we're like, wow, they're you know, we just we it, we're right in front of them. But anyhow, 
So that what this tells me is that like, you know, when we our science, our tools, all these things to try to understand the world around us, admittedly, they're imperfect. And scientists will be the first ones to tell you they're imperfect ways to try to make sense of the world around us and how things work and how they all fall together. We have these massive, massive ambitious experiments to smash particles against each other to try and understand what's underneath them or what are they made from and all that. And we make these fantastic leaps or these applications about how the world around us works. But the problem, the limit is, is that limited by our metaphor and what we can handle. And in science and trying to find things like a grand unified theory and all that, they're trying to find metaphors to explain all of this stuff. And we have this sort of, you know, there's the thing like, you know, there's there's the uncertainty paradox. There's in mathematics, you have incompleteness. We have these things that tell us, well, we know we're never going to reach the end. But we find things now that, you know, we want we went from just just a few generations ago, just a few generations ago, we believed in this sort of kind of platonic sort of thing that everything had sort of this very, very simple order to it, you know, shape, solid, circles, whatever. And, you know, planets followed circular paths around stars and everything was kicked into motion. It was this very Newtonian classical sort of thing, which we could understand. It was a very kind of primate way to look at stuff. Now we go, my God, it's so much more complicated. It's so much more complex. And some people want to go to towards mysticism, which I don't think tells us anything in some people. Yeah, what's what's the quote? Uh, just because things get a little kooky at the subatomic level doesn't mean all bets are off. Exactly, and I I, I totally believe that. I, and I always get frustrated by people who try to drag mysticism into the stuff inappropriately. So, because mysticism's told us a lot of stupid stuff. You know, Richard Dawkins says seven forty sevens fly, flying carpets don't. And and there's this tendency for people to want to go, oh, it's so deep and profound, and turn it into some quasi religious kind of thing, which I'm wary of. But I think that there is. All right, none of this, none of this is your answer. Give us your answer, sir. Oh yeah, it's on. I, I, I think, <laughs> I, I think, I think that anything, whatever the question was, my answer is could be absolutely yes. Okay. You know what? Uh, one of the parts, and I'm going to go back to uh, to the elegant universe. Was one of the most heartbreaking moments was this awesome 10 second scene where you see Brian Greene explaining physics and he's drawing a bunch of, of, of equations on a blackboard and he's like because you remember we talked about this earlier and that's what yeah. this is ref reference to and then the camera cuts and he's trying to teach physics to a dog and the dog just does yeah. the, he Ted Hill, uh, the head tilt thing and, and he actually says you know it could be that our brains are just not built to understand the universe and to me that reality was like one of the most heartbreaking truths that had to soak in my brain very slowly. I hated and loved seeing that moment, then acknowledging the possibility that not only do we not understand the universe, but the great betrayal is we never get to as a species. Man, well, that's, that's, that, this guy sounds pretty smart. No wonder he started banging Megan Fox. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the actor that you're referring to? Brian Austin Green. Oh, Brian Austin Green. Yeah. I didn't know he was with Megan Fox. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was the so, only guy uh, on 90210 that actually played his Bri own age. Brian, back to our original discussion here. <laughs> Brian, Brian, back to this. I think that uh, I, I, I absolutely think that's right. And I kind of wondered, you know, when, when Brian Green did that, I kind of wondered, too, if that he was just kind of saying, that's you, the audience, by the way. <laughs> oh, know? no, no, no. I, I didn't. Know. I didn't. It's, I absolutely agree. I mean, we have we have brains that were evolved for a very, very simple environment in many ways. And they weren't we didn't need to understand things like string theory and the things that we, we have to come up with these, you know, math, mathematics is a metaphor. We have to come up with these metaphors to understand that. And 
And, and that's the only way we can do it. And they get, then we refine them when we make them better and better and better. And part of the problem is, is people want to try to find these beautiful explanations and we try to find this sort of beautiful thing. And the problem is that perhaps the ultimate answers are beautiful, but I don't know if a primate brain is going to recognize it. And I get frustrated by friends, even people in the sciences are always trying to look for these beautiful, elegant solutions when there is a point where something that could be totally elegant could totally be beyond our ability to go aesthetically go, wow, now that's a beautiful, elegant solution. What about and, you, Justin? Yeah, party time. <laughs> <laughs> You're busy freebasing super awesome right now. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things for me that, like, if if the question is, is this undefinable element of our reality going to fundamentally affect how we understand what we know as life, my, my guess is just... Yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe. Like, I'd rather <laughs> err on the side of... Party! Well, well I'd, I'd rather err on the side of we'll figure it out or it's so complex that we shouldn't even worry about it. You know? Well, yeah, I, I, think that, about I think it. that we're, we'll never get the final solution. Well, thank God. That's yeah, why exactly. we fought the war. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So far, we've been finding out fascinating things. And, uh, you know, being, I think we all kind of buy into the transhumanism sort of thing that I think Brian Green's right, but uh, is the future version of Mr. Brian Brushwood, who what is some hybrid supercomputer version of you. Yeah, like, like should, yeah. We, should we engineer a set of our grandchildren to become a species unrecognizable as human anymore? L- literally cause another species just to help us answer these questions i don't know if we should do it specifically for that purpose but i think that might be part i think that's going to be path of human why did evolution. you create me as an unrecognizable species grandpa i don't know kind of want to see what would happen yeah. <laughs> well like- i i well i say it's like i think that you know if you look at on, on a time scale kind of thing and if you think the singularity could happen. Oh, okay. Who had the over-under? 60 minutes in recording. There we go. 60 minutes in recording. Eight months since the last podcast. Brian, Brian, (laughs) I I, I brought that in when I said brought up transhuman, so. Okay. Who had the over-under on corrections? Yes, there you go. (laughs) So my point is, whether or not you think that's going to happen 40 years from now or 1,000 years from now, okay, let's say definitely 99% chance less than 1,000 years, most of human history or most of what, you know, we, you know, human, post-human, whatever, most of human history is going to be post-human. Wow. Wow. You know, when you're, when you're the far off being, you know, 10,000 years from now, it's going to look back at human history. It's going to go like, well, uh, we started walking on two legs, started building cities, then we built machines, and then we became machines, and we are what we are now. And, and forgive me for opening this again, but it's like, you really think 99.9% chance within the next thousand years? I would, I would put almost that high the next hundred years. Well, that, that's the whole point. That's the whole Kurzweil point is that we are exponentially, you know, expanding and breaking barriers faster than we can, than we can kind of comprehend if you look at that line on the graph. See, and, and I look at it as it's a fractal. Like, for every barrier you bust down, now you got two more interesting, complicated barriers behind it that need to be broken down. I I, I, I would say 10,000 years we'd be lucky to hit your picture of the singularity. I All right, why don't you go... You're... How about you go knock on Ray Kurzweil's door and tell him he's a goddamn idiot, Brian Brushwood. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll How about you look I'll that man right in the him. face and you say, hey, moron, more like 10,000 years, right? And then you'll high five <laughs> OMG Chad. <laughs> Jerk off. Throw your lit cigarette in his face. <laughs> And then he shoots me with the laser eyes. And I'm like, what? How did you have those? Yeah, more like 10 minutes. <laughs> Lights your head on fire. But I, you know, I, I'm i not going to argue when it's going to happen because I sure as hell don't know. But think about this. Where were we as a civilization 10,000 years ago? We were banging Neanderthals. No, no we weren't, Brian. <laughs> I was banging <laughs> the were, corpses of Neanderthals. They were gone by then, Brian. We're doing nothing. We were farting out loud. And that was pretty much the achievement for the day. 10,000 years ago, the pyramids were, you know, 5,000 years off from being started in construction. Everybody was still using AOL. Yeah. yeah, the, 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 the The biggest settlement or city that probably existed at that time could probably have fit inside. Now, it, it could have fit inside of probably an, a, a medium-sized shopping mall. That would have been, if you wanted to find the cradle of civilization, that's what you would have found, would have been a you know, collection of huts and houses and things like that. Maybe some stone structures, stuff like that. I'll, t- I'll tell you my ace in the hole here is, is um, I mean, I think, there's, I think we've got a nice uh, three or four devastating either biological or physical disasters to set us back here. Coming up over no. the next 10,000 years. Glad to see what you're counting on that. Well, I mean, in the biological argument, though, there's a there's a very persuasive argument that our, our fear of worrying about any, you know, virus or plague or anything like that wiping us out. We've probably got about a 10 to 15 year window starting from now. And then after that, we're not going to really worry as much about that. And, you know, because that's you know, the whole thing. It took us something like 12 years to sequence the RNA, RNA of HIV. It took us 12 weeks to sequence sequence SARS, you know, went from 12 years to 12 weeks. But what did and, that get us? I mean, you know. We didn't defeat we SARS do- because of because of sequencing, did we? Yeah, like SARS, SARS sucked for three months. Yeah, you know? no, we, and then, we can- then we got it under control. Like AIDS ravaged for what you know, but like, eight, do, nine but did we years? get it under control because we sequenced it, or because you know we? Yeah, we- well, that's how we're built. That's why you can build antivirals now that cost you know, according to the commercial, forty cents a day. I mean, our our ability to create antivirals now have dramatically increased. You know, we're, we're not at the point where we can completely eradicate stuff, but we're able to now that went from you get it, you're going to die. Science can't help you to now by sequencing, looking at it, and we can build these things that attack at certain critical points and it's accelerating. So these things, you know, were and again, I mean, you know, yeah. some some monkey flu could come out of the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden could wipe us out tomorrow. But our ability to combat this stuff is accelerating faster than it would appear. We're better than nature and we're getting better than nature. And. We're just going to keep doing it, and nature's going to stay the same stupid nature self. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, nature's you know what? on watch. I believe there is a parallel universe where I have a snappy comeback to that. <laughs> yeah. so, Dude, it's awesome, too. We're all <laughs> laughing still. And I'm like, People, it's people already that, put it on shirts. It, it, it was it's registered as a URL. Like it diffused after the, the situation and shoved it in your face at the same time. Oh, and man. you just it wanted to high five me because I was so awesome. It became a movement. <laughs> it became a movie. Just the one yes. statement. <laughs> so, it, uh, it, it was the one comeback that defined a nation. I my, you know, If you ask me what I think the most credible threat to us is, uh, 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's biological. I mean, there is, you know, people say, well, there's, it could be man-made biological, but like I'm competent enough or confident enough that the, the smart ethical people are always going to be a few steps ahead of the smart unethical people. Can I make a guess as to what you're, mm-hmm. what you're going to, where you're headed here? Mm-hmm. Robots. AI. Am I right? I didn't even put it in an envelope. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, Listen, Andrew, we've heard this a million times. You can, you can just. We're just gonna give you five minutes in the middle of every podcast where you can suck up to the AI for when they're crawling all of the internet's history. You are on record as saying, "Will I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords?" <laughs> well, if they're listening, I just wanted to be clear that we can get along together. Okay, it doesn't have to fight or combat exactly. or. And he wants to make it clear that he has uh, information on where the rebels are hiding and the codes for which to get past their security. Oh, you two are the first ones up against the wall. I'm telling you that now, okay? Whatever, dude. We'll be high on super awesome. We won't even know that the apocalypse is happening. Yeah, I'm totally collaborating with our AI overlords. Absolutely. You're going to be the first one. You were gonna scamper across that battle line. He's like, "Oh hell, I might try to create it just so you know I can have a hand in this." Uh, I could just and, see him right now. He's like, "And then, and then you'll put my head in a jar and attach me to one of your bodies, right? Right? right and then, right, and then right, I'll guys? be one of you, right? Right? The singularity." Because, like and I mean, I've watched movies and I know it never turns out well for the guy that collaborates. But, but, but this is different, right? Kurzweil <laughs> five thousand says. Yes, Andrew Maine. It will turn out fine. Step Does into the chamber. Does he ever shut up? Oh my oh God. God! Why won't he stop talking? <laughs> Put in that DVD of Dog Roof again. <laughs> if I ever actually can't answer my question to what I was going to say before, um, and it wasn't actually going to be the giant robots, it was actually putting us into a potential vulnerability towards foreign aggressive powers that wanted to try and basically collapse our information technology oh. system okay well just tell us we're idiots well no i no, was... actually actually I, I i do have to applaud your your comedic uh the comedic <laughs> angle you took on that that was very good well i didn't you know and that would probably have been my second fear <laughs> what it would have been that like every day the pentagon gets attacked and there have been some major major things you know google part of the whole google changing their policy towards china stemmed from Google tracing so many of the attacks against Google's, you know, their whole information system to China, which doesn't mean that China did it, but it certainly implies that. And kind of means China did it. And you got to think that right now that, you know, if not just here in China and other places, they're undergoing, they're doing the Manhattan Project of trying to figure out how do you you know, you don't want it. Nobody, you don't want to like, I was in the press last week about, oh, you know, the nuclear bombs, it's still a threat, nuclear bomb, atomic wars. And you know what? Yeah. One or two bombs are still a threat. Okay. And you know, there was this whole thing. Of, oh, when we were young, we used to be afraid of this, but the threat hasn't gone away. We should, no, the, the, the threat of total global annihilation kind of gone away. Okay. By the way, I, I would love to, for a future weird things, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. I fully believe that in my lifetime, I will see a major metropolitan city get hit by a nuclear bomb. Well, Brian, you're, it's a, you're a cheery guy. I'm just saying, I'm just saying we, should, we should entertain some post-nuclear threat scenarios as, as well. This was, a, this was a good thematic episode. Yeah. Well, I'm going to set it off soft. As can be, my man.
Uh, do you guys want to do uh, recommendations? Yeah, actually, you know what? I will say you. Uh, uh, I tell you, give me just a moment. I'm going to see if you can download it on Netflix. But uh, I want to recommend both the book and the DVD of uh, the the Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, uh, mostly because of the first half. The second half is all string theory stuff, which, according to some very smart scientists, may be a bunch of hooey anyway, since it's untestable and who cares? It's just a bunch of math. Uh, but the first half, the story of how we came to understand our universe and we discovered what we thought were two separate things, electricity and magnetism, and then we discovered that they were both part of the same thing, electromagnetism and the, the weak nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, gravity, all of that stuff is absolutely amazing. Uh, I... I want to recommend uh, the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicle series, <laughs> starring Brian Austin Green. No, seriously, I mean, especially considering, you know, uh, the the you know AI taking over and time travel, which we've gone into in this episode. It's actually oddly appropriate. But if you have not, if you've watched it and, and you enjoyed the Terminator movies, and you do not happen to see the series that aired on Fox, it went two seasons. Uh, it it really, really, really was so far beyond what I thought it was going to be. And at the point that it was canceled, it was really kind of hitting a creative stride. But there's two seasons. I'm sure they're both on Amazon. And that is what I recommend for this episode. By the way, you can get The Elegant Universe um, on, it looks like uh, The Elegant Universe and Beyond is rentable on Netflix, but not instantly streamable. Okay. I'm sure it's on, and we'll yeah, have all the it'll be on. Links. it'll be on Amazon. We'll have all the Amazon links up on, on the site, weirdthings.com. Uh, what is your recommendation, Adrian? My recommendation for the thing that I'm going to recommend... Is that you get on your knees right now and bow to our robot overlords. <laughs> I'm just going to say, have you been nice to your computer today? Um, uh, yeah, so uh, my recommendation I'm going to give to you now um other than uh you know make sure to use a mac and back up your computer new security software because uh uh who knows that that's a, that's a frightening thing is like there's a uh, you know there's certain limitations on what kind of like hardware they'll let like pentagon and defense computers use because you know you buy a linksys router or something made in a factory in some other country you don't know if there's a back door in there you don't know you know what's inside of there and what's being built into this stuff so much of our, our technology is being built in other countries and We'd like to think that we can find this stuff, but sometimes these bugs can be buried in quite very, very, very deep. And there are actively in foreign intelligence agencies and military powers trying to figure out how to get the upper hand. And, you know, cyber warfare sounded like such a cliche, but what would happen if a bomb going off on a city would be horrific, Brian? But what if you could shut down the entire cellular phone network of the United States? And that's Andrew's recommendation. So yeah. thanks for calling us on weird, weird things. Which, which brings me to it would be a world much like The Color of Magic, which is a fantastic miniseries that's available on Netflix on demand that you can watch. Is it good? Based upon, it's, it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. It's based upon the Discworld uh, by uh, Terry Pratchett. Uh, Terry Pratchett. Thank you. And it's basically it's a I forget how many parts it's in. It's two parts. And it's, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. It was, is there's, I think there's like been a couple other TV versions of his stories, but I, I like this one. I, the other ones I haven't actually been able to finish, but I enjoyed this one. I thought it was pretty fun. It stars Sean Astin has Tim Curry and Jeremy Irons and other people in there. And so it's, I thought it was really enjoyable. 
By the way, so the you, color of you had the tone of voice of somebody who really digs it but wants to quietly apologize for low production values. Did, did you I know read what? that correctly? No, the, the production values are actually for, you know, in this day and age, they're actually not bad. They really aren't bad at all. It's it's you know it's it's a British production. Special special effects on television is fantastic. I mean, like I like to show Stargate Universe, and Stargate Universe, you know, on a sci-fi on a on a free cable channel has special effects that were better than just about anything we saw in the '90s in the theater. That's true. And the special effects that are fine. I think it's absolutely fine. It's you know the problem of trying to take something that the, where you have literary characters that may have had more depth and be more interesting in some ways, and tell that in a story. But I enjoy, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And you know one of those things I would watch a little bit before I'd go to sleep each night. And so I recommend that if you want to watch some, you know, read some sort of you know watch some sort of fun fantasy. Sweet. In a world where they have no cell phones. <laughs> or robot this, I, I feel like. I feel like this is a pretty good episode, gang. Uh, well, actually, no, real quick. Uh, can can we uh, just real quick talk about some of the stuff that we can talk about that's not the secret Skunk Works project? Like the YouTube thing? Should we talk about that on this podcast? Yeah, or, or do you think, are we going to be, oh yeah, okay. Oh, you want me to do the plug on that? Well, yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. We can be talking about it right now. Well, I mean, I know for a fact we can talk about the fact that I'm writing for the site, Uh more than I was the last time we did this podcast. So you can come to weird okay. things uh, every single day for uh, a lot more content than, than was there before. Matt Finley is still writing uh, as much as he did uh, prior, and he's still <clears> doing <throat> a fantastic job. But uh, now um, I'm all up on there uh, finding all the weirdest sciency news and, and bizarre interdimensional beings and Yeti stories uh, that is uh, going on on the interweb. So... I'm helping weird things right now. Oh, and Andrew, Andrew actually is, is really the, the, the behind the scenes puppet master. He just sends me things that he sees. Right about this. Right about this. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, you've been doing a fantastic job of putting content up there. We've got big plans for weird things. And one of the things we want to do, we're going to start secret plans. Oh yeah. One of the things we can, we can tell you about is next week. We're going to start, doing some YouTube videos where Justin's going to cover some of the fun topics that we come across. So be looking for a YouTube channel or an RSS feed to come up on weirdthings.com that you can link to and subscribe to and, and watch all that. So that'll be Justin and I'm going to try and pop my head in there and do a few of those because I am an attention whore myself and I can't let him have all that. And, and I'm going to throw out a question, gentlemen, before we sign off on this podcast. Yeah. This is a fun podcast. I enjoy it. I like the idea of us sitting around, discussing these things, talking about what would you do, what would be cool and all that. What about, I don't know, what if we actually went out and did some of these things? What if we tried to talk to people in another dimension? What if we did try to track down some of these guts, ghosts, whatever, these ghosts? stuttering or, things. or guts gu- guts of guts ghosts. Ghosts, yes <laughs> or, ghosts, or ghosts. ghosts of kids who died on the nickelodeon tv show guts <laughs> what if i got two new hosts for the show? <laughs> what if we tried to find these things out you're talking about like when we did the the search for houdini right i'm t- exactly brian you're picking up what i'm laying down so you're saying that like we would identify some crazy happening that is possibly if not totally unexplained and we ourselves would go out and investigate it. I'm tired of talking about this stuff. I want to go out and do it. Are you with me? I don't know. Who would watch that? 
Are you with me, guys? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm with you in spirit. Like I'll I'll be the guy that sits there and watches you on a screen do out in in the swamps with the bugs oh, and all that. Kind of like what we do every Thursday night when Justin's not around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm in. All Count right. me in. Count me in, Am. All right. Let's see where that goes. Until next time, this is Weird Things, the podcast. It's been it's been weird. That was really weird. Want to email in a suggestion or scenario for the next Weird Things podcast? Email weirdthingsmail at gmail.com. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Yankee Hotel Foxtrot